It's the Basketball Hall of Fame's Legends Podcast. I'm Kyle Belanger. Joining me today is a man who, quite frankly, we could spend the next 12 minutes just reciting his resume. But let me hit some highlights. He's a 2000 Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame enshrinee, a two-time NBA champion, an NBA Finals MVP in 1990, a 12-time NBA All-Star, a game in which he won the Most Valuable Player Award twice, He's a national champion at Indiana. You get the idea. I already know that you know who I'm talking about. He's the inimitable Mr. Isaiah Thomas. Mr. Thomas, thanks so much for joining me this morning. Thank you for having me. So I want to start sort of with with your come up, because there's something remarkable about that city of yours, the city of Chicago, one of the best basketball cities in the world, and the era in which you came up as well also had just stardom and and, and grit and toughness and, and beautiful basketball written all over it. Can you talk to me about how that city, those years, helped shape the young man and the young basketball player that the world would eventually come to know? Well, it all starts with my mom and my, um, you know, my my dad in terms of my my upbringing uh, and family. Uh, everything that um, you know was preached in in the neighborhood. It really wasn't about uh, basketball, so to speak. It was more about education and. Uh, the way you uh, was able to participate and get on a good team is that you had to have good grades. In uh, the in the players that didn't have good grades, uh, they weren't allowed to participate on the team. So education was preached first, uh, and that was uh, the way that you were allowed to participate in sports. And I was fortunate enough to have uh, great teachers, and we were fortunate enough to have great teachers on the west side of Chicago. Um, one who I, I took into the Hall of Fame uh, last year uh, was John McClendon. I met John McClendon, who's a former student of Naismith, uh, when I was uh, 10 years old. And he and uh, Abe Saperstein from the Harlem Globetrotters uh, used to come to the Barnett Team Boys Club. Um, believe it or not, I, Curly Neal taught me how to dribble the basketball. <laughs> so. That, that was the type of knowledge and the type of people that were on the west side of Chicago uh, talking about basketball, talking about education, and talking about life in general. Gosh, that's remarkable. Of course, you want to talk about education. You ended up with a fantastic uh, opportunity to then, of course, go and play uh, with the Hoosiers in Bloomington. Um, again, your face and your game. Um, now seeing... Uh, understanding sort of the Curly Neal link, your ball handling skills as well, becoming synonymous with that program. And when it comes to educators and leaders, you picked one of the more iconic ones to study under for those years at Indiana. Can you talk to me about the the development of your relationship with Coach Knight in your years at Indiana as well? Well, uh, again, everything goes back to to my mom and, and actually my sister. Uh, they, they chose Indiana for me. Um, you know, kids nowadays, they, they have the opportunity to pick the college that they're going to. Uh, my mom said, um, you know, Isaiah has made his choice. He's going to Indiana University to play for Coach Knight. And that was the end of it. <laughs> um, but I played, um, you know, my, my high school coach, Jim Pingator, uh, ended up in the high school, Illinois High School Hall of Fame. Uh, coach Knight is in the in the Hall of Fame. Uh, my my pro coach Chuck Daly is in the Hall of Fame. So I was fortunate enough to have some great teachers, and you know, Coach Knight was one of them in terms of our basketball relationship and our personal relationship. 
you know, he helped, uh, you know, continue and extend the values that my mom had uh, instilled in me at a very young age. And it was about education. And Coach Knight, as you know, graduated, I believe, uh, 99% of his players uh, that played for him graduated uh, from college. And that was a that was one of the big selling points of uh, going to Indiana, is that I would end up uh, getting my degree and graduating from college, being educated and, and the things that he taught us about basketball. He was he was more about critical thinking. Uh, he was a critical thinker, and uh, he believed um, in terms of team play. Uh, you read and react. Uh, he had at that time, we called it passing game or the motion offense, where, um, you know, it was it was random play, but it was random, well-thought-out play. Mm. And you had to read and understand uh, what your teammate was doing. And what we've seen now in the NBA is that that style of basketball has come back into play. And uh, no one does it better right now than the Golden State Warriors, who have uh, won championships. Now, the 1981 NBA draft, uh, the Detroit Pistons obviously select you number two overall, and, and we know how it ends, right? We have the, 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 the benefit of hindsight. But in that moment, um, before the titles, before the glory, what was it like at the beginning for you going to, uh, going to Detroit? Well, it was, it was difficult. Uh, not only was it difficult, uh, because you, you always, uh, as an athlete, you always want to win. You, you always uh, think of winning championships. That's how I was brought up, not necessarily, um, you know, having a good season. So the looking across the terrain and, and seeing how great a team the Lakers were at that time, how great a team the 76ers were at that time in the Boston Celtics, um, I knew I had my work cut out for me as a player. I had to improve. I had to get better in not only that, uh, find a way to inspire my teammates to want to get better and practice hard every day to hone the skills so one day we could possibly compete with those great teams. Um, and understanding that, you know, it was going to be a long process and being committed to uh, that work over, you know, a lot of years. Um, you know, it took a lot of stamina. It took a lot of concentration. There was some some ups and some downs, uh, but eventually we got to it. So before the late 80s, uh, you had a big moment in 1983 when a man who you already mentioned, Chuck Daly, shows up, hired in 1983 as the coach of the Pistons. Can you recall that moment and the way things changed? Um, I remember when, when Chuck came in, uh, we were, you know, we were a high-powered offensive team, and, um, you know, we, we scored a lot of points. And we, we had great offensive players. And most most young players, um, you know, coming into the league, uh, you really define your game uh, on the offensive side. That's what most people judge you by, how many points you score. And that kind of leads the headlines. Uh, I had come from a very uh, different background. Um, all my background was rooted in defense. And... Um, Every team that I played for, whether it was my high school team, my college team, or even my NBA team, uh, we were all known as uh, some of the greatest defensive teams in our era. And I brought that mindset to the game. And when when Chuck came to our team, 
defensively, uh, that's where he and I really connected. And now looking back, no city was better suited for that bad boy style than Detroit. A real tough, working-class city uh, with a heart of a lion. You, Dumars, Mahorn, Rodman, Sally, Lambeer, I could just go down every single name on that roster, seemed to be a perfect representation of that city. Was that something that you guys were aware of as it was happening, or is that just sort of the way it happened? You know, there are some, some magical moments that happen in sport and community, and that was one of those magical moments where we as a team um, connected with, with the community. Yeah. Uh, represented the city, represented, uh, you know, Michigan in terms of what it stood for, what Detroit stood for. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't planned, uh, but, you know, when sports and community connect, uh, it really is a magical ride as we see with, with all the championship cities uh, that have had that experience where they connect with a team and it just uplifts the whole city. And, that's what happened for us in Detroit. Uh, the timing was perfect. It really was. And you bring up such a great point. I mean, especially because of where that city was economically at the time, the, the ability to to sort of solidify that t- that city, which brings me to my, ne- my next question. Those back-to-back championships in 89 and 90 have officially glued you guys together as a team in history forever and ever. Um, is there one thing about those teams that you wish people talked more about? Yeah, just just how great of um, a defensive team we were, and uh, you know, offensively we were, you know, we were very complete. And if you look at the style of play that that is occurring today, um, we really started that trend in yeah. terms of pick and roll basketball, yeah. having a, a a stretch five or four, what they call it now, in Bill Lambeer, who can step out, who can shoot the three ball. We played with three guards in terms of myself, Kenny Johnson, and Joe Dumars. Um, and we had, you know, athletes in terms of Rodman and Sally that can go out on the wing and defend. So when we when we look at how we played the game, uh, we played a, a basically a 2017-2016 kind of game uh, in, in 89 and 90 hmm. now. There was some physicality to our game because that's how the game was played back then, uh, with the defensive rooms in terms of post play. Now you don't have a post. We were heavily criticized for not for Lambeer not being a post up player in a jump shooter at the time. <laughs> um, so it, it, it's just amazing how uh, things have, have turned around. Um, but you know. Um, you know, because of because of video, uh, you you get to see maybe uh, ten plays of us, uh, and they're mainly of Mahorn and Lambeer <laughs> being physical, and and people equate that with how we played the game of basketball, which is which is just so untrue. We we played very similar to the Celtics. We played very similar to the Lakers and everyone in our era, with the exception of we played more pick and roll from the perimeter and they played inside. Two more questions for Isaiah Thomas. And and this has been just an incredibly uh, wonderful conversation. I I really appreciate this. Since your playing days, you've stayed actively involved in the game from a front office to coaching to broadcasting. 
Which of those transitions was most natural for you? Because you make it look all so effortless. I'm wondering which of those felt so felt the most natural. Um, I would I would say uh, moving from the floor into the front office uh, that that was uh, the most natural for me uh, because as, as a player and as a, a student inside the game, uh, the you know the the 30 plus years of experience from, from grade school to high school to college, the MBA, uh, the, the institutional knowledge that you picked up from an educational standpoint, um, you know, was, was really like move, when you moved into the front office, there were, there was nothing new that you needed to, to understand about the game from the collective bargaining agreement, from the training room, from the logistics to the scheduling, to the picking and drafting of players, uh, putting together a team, building a team, all those things were, were natural to you because you really had been educated in that whole process over the last 30 years. So that that was probably the easiest transition. I would say the toughest transition uh, was broadcasting because I, I knew nothing about um, the mechanics of uh, broadcasting the game, uh, working on television. I was always... Um, the subject of the of the television, and not necessarily uh, the one behind the scenes uh, talking about it. So uh, that was probably the the most difficult transition for me has been, uh, you know, the broadcasting. Finally, Isaiah, what does it mean for you to be working with the Hall of Fame at this stage in your life? You know, the the Hall of Fame. Whenever you start playing basketball, it's something that never enters in your mind because it's you know, it's one of those things that's so far off the radar in terms of, um, you know, I I want to be, uh, no one says I want to be in the Hall of Fame one day uh, because it's, you know, it's you, you're with the basketball guys. And uh, to, I don't know if anyone has ever had that kind of moxie <laughs> where, where he, or he or she will say, you know, at the start of my career, one day I, I'm going to be in the Hall of Fame. And, uh, to be working with the Hall of Fame, uh, to be having Hall of Fame conversations, it, it's truly an honor. It's very humbling, and um, you know, I'm just blown away that I'm, that I'm at this point in my basketball career. He is a two-time NBA champion, an NBA Finals MVP, a 12-time NBA All-Star, a national champion with the Anna Hoosiers, and the 2000 Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame enshrinee. Isaiah Thomas, thanks again for your time. This was a lot of fun. Thank you.